might eat it, yeah. <clears throat> Get a little cake going. You want some? No, that's okay. But I would like to welcome people back oh, God. to another episode of Maybe, Maybe Next time. time. I am your host, William Blore, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation, I'll love you in sickness and in health. <laughs> As you can tell, we are in Viva Las Vegas for Simon's wedding today. That's right. I'm wedding for a wedding, Nets Nation. <laughs> this is the bachelor party, and <laughs> we are live from a hotel room. Yeah. Uh, we have two 24-ounce Bud Light Limes. They are back. This is the first episode in ages a, a long time, that we yeah. have uh, reconnected with our old friend, uh, <laughs> the Lime. It's been too long. Um, you can You can go for it. Well, I don't want to... The crinkling is probably annoying for listeners. Uh, yeah, but you know what? They've been annoyed by worse throughout <laughs> our long and storied history. Oh, by the way, this is a weekly Brooklyn Nets podcast for mm. first-time listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have... This has been about a week and a half since we last recorded due to various traveling uh, circumstances. Mm-hmm. We have reconnected in our home away from home, Las Vegas. We are currently in the Venetian, mm-hmm. uh, living like goddamn kings. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm living in a rock star's room here. It's been trashed. <laughs> uh, big day for you, Simon. Yeah. Very big. How are you feeling? Better than ever, Bill. That is great news. And it's a big time of the year for the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> More importantly, mm-hmm. um, we're one and one with the Philadelphia 76ers. So... Today, we are going to delve deep into the seedy underbelly of this most talked about, most anticipated series in the East between the Cinderella Nets and the will-they-self-destruct Philadelphia (laughs) 76ers. How soon is the city of Philadelphia going to cast out Ben Simmons uh, for not being good enough at free throws, Jimmy Butler for bringing baby mama drama, uh, et cetera. But just drama. But just drama, (laughs) yes. I don't think it has anything to do with that. Um, So we've got a lot to get into today. We have no theme other than... Something I think we should just start off with, Simon, because oh, I know you've sure. given this a lot of thought, okay. and frankly, we don't have a lot else to discuss. <laughs> uh, Simon, since we are in Las Vegas, has come up with a few Elvis songs he thinks are similar to a Brooklyn Net. Uh, yes, right. Uh, so just so folks are, are aware, I'm, this is not my attempt to turn, turn the podcast into two different streams of thought. <laughs> uh, I know normally we do these things together. I, I there was a I, I, I Bill was not prepared to, to do this, and I, I didn't communicate uh, well enough that we were going to do this. Uh, but Bill was kind enough to to let it sort of just be me for a second. But just know that this is not a a sign of divergent waters here. In, no, in, uh, <laughs> maybe not. Um, so with those fears allayed, uh, I will start. <laughs> One is the song. Uh, teddy bear. Uh, I think it's like don't want to be or I I want to be your teddy bear. Okay, can uh, I guess who it, it yes, is? Yes, you can guess. Um, is it Jared Dudley? No. Is it Ed Davis? No. Is it Jared Allen? It's Jared <laughs> Allen. That's right. It's Jared Allen, uh, who I think 
would probably wish that physical contact was completely, uh, you know, uh, against the rules in the NBA, and that players could just love one another in a sort of a right. a skill, you know, a, a, a tactful but not um, physically involved uh, game of, of basketball. Well, you can't really blame the guy after what happened to his face <laughs> yes. post Joel Embiid yes. getting a flagrant one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like I liked his comments after he wasn't, you know, bemoaning that the foul hadn't been a flagrant two. Uh, he was pretty understanding, you know. Like I feel like Nets Daily wants to make quite a lot of the fact that that wasn't called a flagrant two and how that could have changed the game and we could have won if it had been a flagrant two. But uh, what did you think? Should it have been a? I don't know. Yeah. The, I I don't know the, the the rules well enough. I mean, it it did look to to me a, a biased Nets fan. Like he was not just you know making a strong post move, but yeah. was basically the way someone in a fight bashes someone in the head yeah. with their elbow. Can you imagine Jarrett Allen trying to do that same move to Joe Allen? No. <laughs> Sweet, 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 Jarrett. Sweet, sweet teddy bear is very careful with where he puts his sharp elbows. All right, what's next? Blue Hawaii, Blue Hawaii. <laughs> I don't have anything for Blue Hawaii. Do you have something for Blue Hawaii? No, no, I don't. Okay. Uh, my next one is uh, Blue Suede Shoes. Ooh, nice. And, and that is actually Spencer Dinwiddie, who has uh, the like shoes that he wears every single game oh, that are new, yeah, and he yeah. has his own shoe company. So sorry, it's not a disparaging one. It's just shoe No, that's based. great. That's great. Uh, um. And uh, let's see. Um, Johnny, uh, be good. Johnny, be good. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so kiss me tender. Is that a? I don't song? think so. Okay. I think you're naming generic. I mean, <laughs> Johnny, be good is not a generic rock, but you seem to be combining like generic rock sentiments, right? Okay, pop, pop sentiments into possible songs. <laughs> be true to your girl. Yeah, it's <laughs> a great example of that. Uh um, my, my third one is uh, Can't Help Falling in Love with You, and that is how I feel about D'Angelo Russell. He yeah. has had – last game was pretty unequivocally a bad game. Uh, the first game, you could say he had a horrible first half and a, and a pretty good second half and was, like, fine enough. He did have 26 points, went to the line five times, um, and wasn't – wasn't ter- it wasn't too bad. Second game, pretty bad. 6 for 16, 37% shooting, um, more turnovers than assists. Only had two assists in that game. Uh, but, so I'm, st- you know, but honestly, I'm so bought in with him that I've just totally prepared for him to not be good in the playoffs. It's also his first playoffs. He's 23. But, you know... I you know I just think we're all in on him and I I think I think an earlier version of me would have been more doubtful and worried uh-huh. but I I've just, Wait, I've, you've changed? Yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah. you've changed from finishing the season 0 and 3 and falling out of the playoffs to <laughs> Love and Delo mm-hmm. through thick or thin. Mm-hmm. Better or worse? That's right. Well, is that your final Elvis one? Yeah. Okay, cuz it's a good transition. The only thing I really have written down this week other than a few <laughs> observations about the two playoff games yeah. thus far that yeah. I I think we're going to get into in a minute. Sure. Um but I did have a couple of stats regarding D'Lo that I wanted to okay. to delve into okay. a little bit. 
Because I think so much... I mean, the playoffs are thrilling right now. Yeah. Uh, I think coming back to Brooklyn, 1-1, one and one, uh, in spite of the horrific second game loss, yeah. it got so bad at the end that it almost almost made it just like a, a you could write it off. Yeah. Um, at first, I thought it was going to be crippling psychologically, but I don't think it is any, anymore. But again, we can talk about that more. <laughs> uh, but I would say that no one, in spite of that first game success, believes that this is going to be a long playoff run. Like, Eastern Conference Finals is pretty much out of the, the question. Yes. Um, so... We have to be thinking about whether and I, and it's something. Every, of course, every Nets fan has wrestled with all season: is D'Lo incredible or is D'Lo not incredible? Yeah. And these playoffs, you know, when the other team can specifically game plan around stopping D'Lo, it's obviously harder for him to score. He hasn't been as electric a passer. Um, they're shutting down some, but that is partially Philadelphia's extreme length and just shutting down passing lanes in general. So I don't want to knock him too hard for that. And there's still at least three games left in the series. I mean, I, I can imagine him having two, maybe a couple really good games still. Sure. But I wanted to talk about two different stats with D'Lo. Very quickly, okay. If you'll if you'll have me, okay. Are you okay with this? Yes. All right. Have you ever heard of the stat, Simon? And I I only recently heard about this, VORP. No, you've not heard of VORP. No, I uh, think I heard about it because Claire gave me a, a preview. Or yeah, of... yeah, just sort of a warning mm-hmm. that I might be talking VORP. Mm-hmm. So it stands for Value Over Replacement Player. Uh-huh. Um. And it's one of those, like, PER or RPM, which is supposed to be indicative of your quality. Like, the top three VORP people in the league are Harden, Giannis, and Jokic. So, some reflection of quality. Uh, D'Lo is the 27th overall in the entire league in VORP, value over replacement player, which is by far That's, the best net. Okay. Um, Jarrett's 50th. Joe Harris uh, is 71st. Then Ed Davis, Spencer Levert, Dudley, Ed Napier, and Carroll are all above replacement level. Uh, some notable players not above replacement level: uh-huh. Alan Crabb uh-huh. and rookie phenom Rojan Kudus. Mm. But Levert is above. But Levert is above. Okay. He is currently 169th in the league. Spencer is 131st. Ed Davis 123rd overall in the league. Okay. Um, but, so that was just another one of these, you know, super advanced, uh, like, overall statistics that are saying is definitely the best, per- like, he's got the best PR, he's got the best RPM, he's got the best VORP. <laughs> uh, so I think we can have a little bit of confidence that he is as good as I feel like everyone in Nets Nation currently feels he is. That said, there was that Nets Daily article recently that compared D'Lo to other players in this year season. Did you read that Mm -hmm. one? So they compared him to, like, Harden, Westbrook, Curry, Oladipo, um... Maybe something, uh, those those types of guys. And his scoring and his assists and his assist percentage are all really, really good. They all had very high usage rates, which he also has, which this article is proposing as, like, 
an unequivocally good thing. Definitely it wasn't good early in D'Lo's career when he had a super high usage rate and was wildly inefficient. Mm-hmm. But his efficiency has gone up this year. His true, true shooting percentage um, is 52%, which is much better for him. It's gone up from 48%, which it was basically <laughs> hovering at the last three years. But it's still the one thing that separated all of these young guys when looking at their younger selves from D'Lo was shooting percentage, mm-hmm. true shooting percentage. Uh-huh. And probably a lot of that, I would suspect, is free throw rate. I would assume, but Curry doesn't get a lot of free throws. Mm-hmm. And his is still like 58 or 59% true shooting. Oladipo's was the... oh. Wow, no, Steph's was higher than that. Oladipo's was the next lowest at 60%, which is, like, a significant jump up. Yeah. So, um, overall, I was looking at the effective field goal percentage Uh in the NBA, and the average, which has gone up from, like, like five to ten years ago, it was just under 50%, Uh and in the last couple years, it's gone up a bit, and this year, it was over 52%, Mm. and Delos in that is just uh, just over 51%, Mm. so he's technically a little below average still in terms of effective field goal percentage. So while while the bigger, broader, you know, um, all-around metrics or stats are saying that D'Lo is the most impactful, the best player on our team, I would say that the one nagging insecurity I have about him is the shooting percentage uh-huh. And whether or not the jump we've seen this year from 48 to 52 is something that is a trend and we're going to see it continue to go up, or horrifyingly, is this an outlier and it's actually going to regress to what it had been the first three seasons, in which case he becomes a far less valuable player. Right. So anyway, that was just my <laughs> my D'Lo reveries for the week. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it does point out something that you and I uh, discussed at one of these games recently, that he is a, a like, again, I do think we should we should pay anything to, to, to keep him at this point. And I do think that, uh, you know, the Otto Porter trade proves that you can have, if you're a young person and you're relatively, even like relatively interesting or or valuable, mm-hmm. you could probably get off that contract because the the it's not like the 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 Wizards got anything great, but like they took a far less a far less I would say valuable player, turned him into fine enough. Like they didn't have to give anything up. Mm-hmm. They got Portis or whatever, um, and so it feels like even if we do get him to a max, and even if he underwhelms, it won't be an anchor around our. No, our agreed. It's not an Alan Crab type situation. Right. Like D- D'Lo was an All Star this year. D'Lo is has the third highest assist percentage in the league. That is a over an entire season. That is a pretty remarkable skill to have when you're that good at distributing the ball as a point guard. And yeah, and I would just, I would just say that yes, it 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 the the but he is the other side of that is as I think we said uh like he is a classic candidate for a one season like jump that is like oh 
all those shots that he was taking, he's just missing them. Now. Right. <laughs> like, they're the same shots. They're no, just not I'm, going I'm in. definitely nervous. Yeah. I, I definitely don't think that we know for sure. It could be a contract right. year thing that he's doing so much better. But f- honestly, the things he says, this, the way he's presented himself, the reports out from Kenny and the rest of the Nets organization, of course, this could be biased, and of course, he could be putting on an act. But Everything I've heard is he seems more mature. He seems totally bought in. He seems committed to doing it sort of the right way, working really hard towards it, realizing you can't just come into the NBA and be as dominant as you were at Monteverde yeah. Prep Academy yeah. or whatever. Um, that You really have to commit yourself to it. And if, if he does that, he is naturally talented enough to, I think, remain a really high-level point guard and possibly get into that super elite status if he keep if his shot continues to develop. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'm totally, totally down with that. But let's talk about the thing probably everyone here uh, listening wants to hear most about, which sure. is the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, they come out, they shock the world in game one. Um, there were a lot of surprises in game ones. The Magic also beat the Raptors, stealing a little of our thunder, and the Spurs beat the, um, the Nuggets. Nuggets yeah. The Nuggets. Um, but anyway, we beat, we beat them. Philadelphia fans irate, yep. uh, booing Ben Simmons, booing Joel Embiid. The city turned on its boys that night, all yeah. because Brooklyn came out. And beat the pants off them. Yeah. Then they turn around days later, two days later, and they get stomped. Yes. Uh, what are your takeaways from these two games, Simon McCormack? So my takeaways are the following. Uh, one, um, I think it raises a, f- a few sort of uncomfortable questions, especially game one. Um which are like, and I, I don't think it's changed my mind on them, but it does make me more seriously consider them. Those are, do should we try to resign people like Damari Carroll uh, and um, Jared Dudley and Ed Davis? Uh, because they were pretty critical mm-hmm. <laughs> to that game one win, and you do sort of see the stereotypical like, oh, vets know how to make smart plays, and like especially in the playoffs when they don't call fouls as much, like that sort of tough toughness and like you know the sandbag defense that Jared Dudley plays, like all of a sudden that's actually like pretty good because mm-hmm. <laughs> they aren't calling things. Um, the way that they are. So, like, maybe are you suggesting that, like, if we, say, sign D'Lo to a near-max thing, we strike out with the big-name ones, which we almost certainly are, that we use some of that space to sign on critical role guys like Carol, Allen, and Dudley? So I actually don't think that. I am not so far enough into that realm to actually, if you if you put a gun to my head, I don't actually think that. Okay. But it, it I'm moved more towards that by games like Game 1. Um, and the fact that Dudley didn't play in Game 2 and we looked worse. Like, mm-hmm. we did see... I mean, lots of things went wrong. Yeah. To be sure. That second I, half was a disaster. Yeah, I don't I don't think Dudley would have totally prevented a 50-point quarter. I mean, he, I, mean I don't want to ascribe him talents that he doesn't have. But it, it was just like... 
Yeah, those, those three players in, in particular are, you know, more valuable in, in playoff time, and you do kind of wonder how much of a role they've played in, like, the young players' growth and stuff like that. So I, I just am positing that question. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that it made me uncomfortable about is, is Tobias Harris that good? Mm. Uh, and the second game, he was a bit better, but he just seems like... And again, I know that if you have, like, a million other great players on your team, it's very common and normal for you to not be a big part. And his yeah. regular season stats with the Sixers were were not significantly diminished from his from his uh, Clippers time, but it's just like, uh, not sure this is the guy to, like, really go all in on. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I think from what I <laughs> understand about the Nets' strategy yeah. is that they are focused. They're sort of like, let Embiid beat us from three. Uh, let Simmons shoot. And we'll sort of handle those things. And to an extent, let Butler shoot. But we are going to zero in on not letting um, Redick or <laughs> Tobias Harris beat us. Yeah. So we do not. So I think that we're paying a special attention to the. Uh, to them on the three point line, which is helping to cut them off and to not make them as good as they could be, recognizing that we could game plan around stopping Joel Embiid, but that is impossible because we don't have the personnel to do it. Um, And then sort of daring the other two guys who aren't nearly as good as shooters as them to score. So I would say, yeah, Tobias Harris has not been impressive in these games, but I think it could be a product of a particular focus on the Nets' defense. Yeah. Because we do have people that are more... Uh, capable of guarding a Tobias Harris than a six foot eleven point guard in Ben Simmons or uh, Joel Embiid, who's yeah. just going to destroy us. Right. What did you think about um, Jared Allen in the two games? Because I think that's a big point of again, we've talked a bit about it, but a growing uncertainty, skepticism, frustration with Jared Allen, and. Some of that's been highlighted in this series, for sure. Yes. I just... So a part of me is just like... I, I, I Like, a, a, a small part of me, Bill, would not even be surprised if after this year we just hear that, like, Jared Allen is quitting basketball. You know what I mean? Like, I just get the sense that he's, like... He's just... At least at this stage, and yes, I'm sure that a huge part of it, as we've always said, is is his size and how, how much it sucks to have to battle. Mm-hmm. But I just get a sense that he's just, like... That is such a drag for him. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a painful experience for him that Mm -hmm. I I just... I don't get the sense that he's... That he is, like, determined to... I mean, there's, like, a couple... Like, just just to take an example, like, Kurutz is very thin and very ineffective, frankly, in a Mm -hmm. lot of scenarios. But Mm -hmm. the way that he plays is, like really game to like do everything he can to stop it. It's yes. again he's not, fearless. Right. And he's going everywhere doing things. Like he very few people have really like early thing you learn in basketball is like follow your shot. Right. Try to get like Kurutz apparently seems to be the only guy on the Nets to ever yeah. run after any yeah. of his shots. And he gets a lot of crazy rebounds or jump balls because of it. And he's, yeah, he's making up for his frail frame with just like a kinetic energy that 
is effective in if, if a bit bizarre. It, but I agree. Yeah, Jarrett seems to. You know, it gets back to that pre-draft thing. Like, does he love the game? Yeah. Like, does he have the fight? Does he have the drive? The real desire to be tenacious and nasty and mean, like you would have to do if you right. if you're going to compete with a Joel Embiid or really any center we're going to see in the playoffs. Right. Ex- exactly. And 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 so I, I just feel like Kurtz embraces upsetting people. Mm-hmm. Like he loves loves to get under people's skin. Loves to get after the ball, and again, at this point, doesn't necessarily yield great actual results, but like does upset people and does mean to me like all he needs to do is just get bigger, and yeah. he'll be like great and start hitting a few more threes. <laughs> yeah, got to, got to hit some shots. Got to be yeah. a little more. Consistent. I'm glad he's green lighted on the shooting, but I do wish that translated to like a better than 24 percent three point shot because he gets a lot of really good open. Looks. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, the other thing is like I I would I don't have any numbers in front of me, but I feel like in a, you know three point shooting an inherently streaky thing. He is so streaky. Uh-huh. Like he's either never going to make a three point shot. Like an entire game, or he's gonna make like five, and it's gonna look like he's like right. Steph Curry. Right. No, it's it is all over the place. <laughs> Basically, anytime he shoots, I'm convinced it's not going in. Yep. So when it does, it's just <laughs> like a, free money. You're that's like, all a right, safe assumption. Yeah. Um, but you know, he might run in, get his own rebound off that miss three, and put it back for the thing that he's actually good at, which is slashing to the hoop, dunking. He is explosive inside. Mm-hmm. Quite athletic. Um, he's really, really athletic. And uh, it's just fun to see that. But it is disconcerting with Jarrett. He gets bullied. He does seem to sort of give up and get really, really passive at times. Uh, and it's hard to see if he doesn't gain whatever amount of weight this summer to make it a little easier on him. Uh how he's going to get much better, and also it is a little disconcerting how little, how few minutes he's getting. Yeah, like he's just not trusted to be out there. Right. Um, I mean, it's le- not great. Yeah, at least in game one, it it seemed kind of like a godsend that he got into immediate foul trouble because Ed Davis, again, yes, Embiid was incredible, but along the lines of Kurutz, Ed Davis is in there working it. Getting a million rebounds. Right. Yes, getting destroyed by a man who is probably 100 pounds heavier than him. And, like, but, seven inches taller. But, yeah. But is, like, making Joel Embiid upset and, you know, is, like, hopefully, you know, making it unpleasant to get those points. Yeah, definitely. And I think we were both talking about, while during the second game, why wasn't Ed Davis yeah, getting the amount of minutes? I haven't seen anything on an injury, Neither but I, I could have I mean, it. it seems like... He would have been such a better pick um, to be out there Mm -hmm. at that time. But so it goes. Um, (laughs) Simon, I know you are a one of the few remaining Jimmy Butler stands out there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. They are dropping like flies, have been all season. Mm-hmm. He's had a, a historically bad year in terms of PR. Yes, terrible um, PR year, absolutely. He burnt a team to the ground yep. in weeks one through four of the season. Yes. Came to Philly, and within a few weeks, uh, fissures were emerging in that locker room. He comes in, game one, 
a game in which I think it should be noted the Sixers lose. Jimmy <laughs> Butler goes off. Yep. Comes back, game two, a game in which Philly wins. Jimmy Butler has seven points on three of ten shooting. Yeah. Real small sample size. Yeah. But uh, does Jimmy Butler make other teams better? Right. That's the, that is a great question. I mean, I don't think – yeah. So I think it just gets back to the point where, like – I mean, I look. I, I I still maintain that I I would be excited if, to a certain degree, if if Jimmy Butler were signed, I would be very worried, and I would rather him not be signed. But if if I see that he's signed, I I do not like sink into into a pit of despair. I think he would do some very good things for us. But what if you see that we sign him for four years? Uh. Because that's what he's looking for. Right. He's not looking for right. anything. No, I shorter. know. I mean, it's still. I would be like, well, let's let's see. It'll be a fun. I think it'll be a fun at least two years. Um, those last two could be, could be very hairy, and I agree. Like, he <laughs> well, I just wonder what would happen to his vorp in year three or four. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know, and he. I I think it is fair to ask whether he he does make make teams better. I mean, I I, I know that at least last year. With Minnesota, he had like a very good plus minus. He, the team they was were better way with him. better with him on the um, court. I yeah. don't know what it's like with with the Sixers. I honestly don't have any numbers on that. And and yeah, I mean, it clearly it was. I mean, the, the Nets executed their game plan in Game One to perfection, and that game plan did include allowing for the possibility of Jimmy Butler going off. Just um, um, just just because we we're talking about Vorp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Apparently, Joel Embiid is 26th, one ahead of D'Lo, and Jimmy Butler is 33rd, six behind D'Lo in terms of value over replacement player this mm. season. Not, again, that this is the... And Ben Simmons is actually their best. He's 16th huh. on that team. Uh, again, not uh, somewhat right. abstract. But, and I, yeah, I, I, think, I think it does get back to the fact that Jimmy Butler is just not... He is just not quite good enough to be a, a player like a Kawhi Leonard. Like, Kawhi Leonard also does not make players better. Uh-huh. Um, but he does make a team better because he's so good that it doesn't matter. Like, he is, he is from what I have read or whatever on him, like, he, he still does not. He is kind of a black hole with the ball. Yeah. He, he is not a good distributor. Um Kyle Lowry certainly deserves some of the blame for his pretty not good season, but it, a lot of it is like, oh, there's a guy now who right. does everything, and he's not facilitating for me. He's not making it easier for me in any way. He's making it harder. So yeah, I think I, I mean I just think it goes back to like the main difference there being like, if you're going to have that type of player, you're going to want that type of player to be at a certain level yes, of yes. of goodness yes, yes. to override the black hole nature of their. Style of play. Yeah, uh, Kawhi Leonard is that good because he's so incredible, both one on one offensively, but also as a two way player. Jimmy Butler also is a good two way player, but he's nowhere near as good um, all around <laughs> offensively as Kawhi Leonard. Yes, um, but yes, as happens week after week, there are more and more reports linking Jimmy Butler to the Nets or the Clippers next season as the two potential destinations. I know, of course, as with all of these guys, the Lakers are in the conversation as well, but no one knows what the hell is going on over there. Um, Another observation I had about the playoffs so far. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
last season, we went to many, many Nets games in which we balled out for the first half, kept the game pretty close, and the third quarter, inevitably, we would completely fall apart. Yeah. That was sort of the story of last season. Yes. We play a team, we play them well for the first half because we've probably done more game planning for them than they have for us. They go into the locker room, they make whatever adjustments they make, and they come out in the third quarter and they stomp us. Yeah. Uh, hate to say it, but it felt a little bit like last season in game two of the playoffs. Sure. We played them, we were down by two. It was One, very close. Think, yeah. yeah, it was very, very close. Uh, first half in mm-hmm. which we could have yeah easily gone into it with lead, uh, and then they come out in the third quarter and they absolutely destroy us. Yeah. Um, do you think that is Philly finally picking up on what the Nets are doing and making the adjustments and us not being able to react quickly enough in that game, or do you think it's just we you know we've been hot and then we're we're no longer making our shots mm-hmm. or what what changed in that second so half? I think both of those things happen. I, 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 I think that they were able to and I have to admit I have not read the Brian Lewis article on this, but I'm anxious to they they mentioned the the ways in which they were able to shut down Joe Harris. Mm-hmm. Joe Harris, as we've talked about, is is very critical to this team. He's sort of a bellwether of uh of whether the Nets will play well or not is is how well he does um, they totally shut him down, um, and yeah, they were able to get to get people looks like um, you know there were some wide open Redick threes, there were some some pretty open Tobias Harris shots. There was like they were all firing; it was all going great for them, and they had their usual bread and butter Embiid unstoppableness. Right, and Ben Simmons scored quite a bit. And Ben's more. right, right. Um, so everyone kind of got un- untrucked and 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 just demolished us in that third quarter. Um, but uh, another thing is, yes, I, I think that we – and so, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't – Kenny had no answer. And Kenny should have called a goddamn timeout a lot sooner <laughs> in that third quarter. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, not that it necessarily would have helped, but Jesus Christ. It was like tw- – we were down 20 points yeah. before he called the timeout. Um, no, that was one of the fastest collapses yes. I can remember seeing because uh, I've more or less – Obliterated all memory of last season. Right, well, right. And so, so the other thing is, like, we are going to be for as long as our playoff exists, uh, life exists. We are a shooting team. Like, we can, Karras and Dinwiddie can get to the to the rim occasionally, yeah. but they're not high level drivers Kuritz at this point. Kurutz can, yeah, yeah a, a bit, but but it's mostly just like, are you hitting your threes? Yeah. We is need to be Trevion able to hit Graham threes. hitting threes? Is Damari Carroll hitting threes? Right. Like, those become so critical because so much of the attention yeah. on the offense gets sucked into D'Lo and Joe Harris, and those guys get so many looks. Mm-hmm. And when you're just watching Trevion Graham clank three after yeah. three after three, you just want to Throw the TV off the wall because it's just it's agony <laughs> it is, uh, yeah. to see those guys chuck. They they're just not uh, you know th- there are games when they hit and then you love Trevion Graham but he is not a genuinely good three no. point shooter. And, and Demar has been terrible from distance. I think he he does have a hurt wrist, uh-huh. uh, so that could partially be. But again, yeah, there are blame. games when he hits and yeah. you're just like, all right, we're fine. Yeah, we don't have to worry about it. But right. if those guys who 
are unreliable at best, aren't hitting, yeah. and you can't get Joe Harris any clean looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's although uh, Karis Levert's been shooting better. Yeah, he ha- he has been, but he just we don't have we do not have like a even a you know a, a Jimmy Butler level like give the ball to somebody and they will score like we just yeah. you know are you having trouble with your shot no problem let's manufacture some points to the line we just don't have anybody like that especially in the playoffs where they don't really call like if you think the nets get jobbed in the regular season which they definitely <laughs> do like they just will not get any calls going to the rim you need to be able to finish with a tremendous amount of contact yeah uh so that sucks, obviously. It'd be much better if we had a seven-foot-tall guy who you could just dump it in. And, rebound, yeah. I mean, 20 free throws a game and right. makes 18 of them somehow. Right, exactly. Um, but we don't, and I think we just have to hope that Embiid can, t- you know, I, I don't know. Like, I do think we can get another game. I do think that. Yeah, so what? let's talk a little bit. We've got two games, two home games in Brooklyn coming up. Yeah. Uh... Do you think we take either of them? I think we take one of them. Which? Um, let's say game three. Yeah, I, I think, think we take I think game we, three. I think we'd need game three. If we lose game three, I, I could see Philly sort of getting on a roll mm-hmm. um, and and possibly gentlemen sweeping. Um, but I think that game is going to be really, really, really <laughs> important, obviously. Um, I'm really curious to see. So we got tickets through the block. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, block, if you're yeah, listening. Yeah, thanks, block. Um, very happy that we got the playoff tickets. They're really expensive. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious to see what the stadium's like. Yeah. Um, like how many absolutely horrible Philly fans are going to be packed into that place. Oh, quite a is lot. it going to be a home game? Yeah. Is it going to be a home game? Yeah. That, I think, is... Cr- I mean, although the Philly fans turned pretty hard on on their, their boys the did, other did night. Did you get to hear any of that? Yeah. No, I heard... Um, I watched the, the highlights. Yeah, it's pretty immediate. Yep. It's pretty immediate yep. booing. They are unhappy in Philadelphia. <laughs> it is. It is something is wrong. <laughs> Many would say Jimmy Butler, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> has soured the city on this once promising ray of ray of hope. Uh, yeah, but I I really hope that it's a home game for us because if there if there are more Philly fans than Brooklyn fans, that's just. Uh, and the playoffs come I know, on. It's depressing. Yeah, it's super depressing. Yeah, I I also just feel like the Nets, like I I know it's very tough, and I know that you know I'm sure they feel the way that like you know a, a much more intense version of how I feel, which is like when the game is happening, you're not thinking like oh well you know who cares right? You're like I want to win this game. This we have to win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just hope that they are able to embrace what is truly psychologically a potentially very powerful uh, outlook, which is like, who cares? Yes. There's no pressure on us. All of the pressure is on this team. If this team loses this series, they will implode. The coach will be fired. Uh, maybe Elton Brand. I, like, who knows what happens? Right. That could, they, enormous amounts of pressure on that team. Like The consequences are massive right. if they fail to get to the second round. Right. They're already going to explode if they don't get out of the, get, don't get to the finals. Right. Uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals, at least. So right. So this is this is like a horrible 
you know, monkey-on-their-back situation right. that the Nets just don't have. So I, I just hope that they are able – I hope that opens up these three-point shots, like or, you know, et cetera, just helps them – play a little freer. Right. I mean, they're playing with house money. Yeah. We're not even supposed to be in the fucking right. playoffs. Right. We're a season away from realistically having a chance to make the playoffs. We are there, and we took a game at home from them. Right. We have nothing to lose. We should be conscienceless and fearless at this point. Conscienceless. Uh, and just, yeah, fire away, do something, you know, like play with abandon and freedom and, yeah. and, and, you know, you could, we could sneak one out, but yeah, there are like, there should be no point where we're like moping around right. like, Oh God, you know, we're not going to, they're not going to bring us back if we don't do it. It's like, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> you're, this is all we got. Right. You guys did it. Right. Right. <laughs> Have a little fun. Exactly. Because it's not going to be that way next year is the other thing. No. Like, and now they're, we're about <laughs> to be in, like, Philly last year wasn't even necessarily supposed to make the playoffs. Then they had that incredible run at the end of the year. And then they got to the second round and expectations just soared through the roof. Right. And now you can see this season the dark side of those expectations, which is like, oh, two years into the fruition of the process and it might blow up. Like, right. you're talking about trading Ben Simmons. Right. Like, Next year, are we going to, you know, hate D'Angelo Russell and do, you know, right. all of these things? Right. All, all that could happen because they because we are out of expectation less land. Um, but while we're there, baby, right? Exactly. I let's know. let's be like the Gonzaga of the right. early two thousands. Exactly. That were perennial Sweet Sixteen Cinderellas. Right. Um, that's a good point, Simon. Thanks. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say on the playoffs? No. Yeah. Uh, if it gets to a game six, I think he'll be back in time. I should be. Uh, from the... I may be completely sleep deprived, but yeah. I'll be there. He'll be there. Um, all right. So I just wanted to bring up one final thing before we sign off. Okay. Is that cool? Yeah. Did you listen to the latest City Game Lichtenstein podcast? Oh, yes, yes, I did. Oh, no, no, I wasn't going to say apologize, <laughs> but you, you should apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah, he apologizes for being so cynical about the Nets all season. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> no, I can. I can actually. No, I wasn't really. Uh, go, okay. Well, I, I I am happy to address it, but you should you should do your thing. I, I do think that the Lobo fan critique is correct, but but you should you should do your okay your thing. Uh, he ranked his nets. Oh. Did you hear that? He ranked nets in in, oh, in terms right. of importance yes. going yes. forward. So he ranked his top six most important nets going forward in order. So he thinks it's D'Lo mm-hmm. is most important. Which is a shift for him too. He's fully embra- He's fully on the D'Lo train, which is great. Everyone should be. It's a fun <laughs> train. Uh, Levert, mm-hmm. Jared Allen at three, mm-hmm. Dinwiddie four, Harris five, Kurut six. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that list? I would swap Dinwiddie to six. I would. Put, I do think he's six. I would put Dinwiddie at six, and I would move Kurut's potentially up to. Th- Three on that. Really? Um, probably not. I don't want to fully give up on Jared Allen. Like, uh-huh. obviously, Jared Allen physically seems like he could be better than Kurutz. Um, but I don't know. 
Coots does, as we've talked about at length, apparently, today. Uh, like, if that guy's shot starts to fall, he could be crazy good. As, like, a playmaking four. Mm-hmm. Uh, who can guard almost one through four. Yeah. Um, but... Anyway, yeah, and I would I think Dinwiddie is definitely the least important for our future. He's now twenty six years old. Uh-huh. Um, I think we'll probably end up trading Dinwiddie. Really? Kind of think that, yeah. Okay. But who knows? I like him. I I I, I like him more than I used to. Yeah. I, he really bothered me. I, it really bothered me the whole beginning of the season when it seemed like the whole narrative was Dinwiddie's great. D'Lo needs to find a new team. I have always been convinced that D'Lo definitely has the higher upside and was the better player, um, which I think this season has borne out. But that was really where a lot of my resentment and animosity towards Dinwiddie went. No duh. (laughs) To state the very obvious. (laughs) All right. Well, we have a wedding to get to today. Yeah, we got to be heading to that wedding. (laughs) That is your tagline today. (laughs) Um okay so what are we what are we doing with the rest of our day? We got a when are you getting dressed? What do I need? I to, guess right now I need to get dressed. Okay, you, do we you need, need to like, place a call to uh, uh, Snake Guys? I need to call Snake Guys. Yeah, I got a I got a full snake leather uh <laughs> two piece with a double cummerbund coming my way. Yeah. Um but anyway, well, I think we can probably wrap this one up. Sure. Uh, rate, review? Rate, review, love us, want us, got to have us. <laughs> uh, give us five-star reviews. You can find us on iTunes, um, Stitcher, um, uh, Spotify, all of your podcast uh, locations. We are probably there. Um, you can also find us on Facebook uh, Instagram and Twitter on at maybe next time and please, please send us your comments, questions, uh, etc. Concerns, concerns, feelings, thoughts uh, to maybe next time at gmail.com. Simon, what's your favorite kind of bag? Uh, mailbag. Mailbag. <laughs> Uh, All right, folks, live from Las Vegas, we will uh, see see you next time. (laughs) I was tired of my lady, we'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording of a favorite song. So while she lay there sleeping, I read the paper in bed. Columns, there was this letter I read. If you like.